This is PhotoBizX, episode number 511, and today's focus is how to take your photography from hobby to business, and our special guest has done exactly that. She's had the help of two different photography business coaches. She's now averaging over $1,000 per session after implementing a series of changes that we cover in this episode. Our special guest is Tammy Miles. She's a family portrait photographer based in Adelaide, Australia, and that interview is coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here, host of the Photo Biz X podcast, where I interview photographers and business experts from around the world to help you grow a better photography business even faster than going it alone. And I know you're going to love today's episode. I love recording these kinds of interviews with photographers who are making the leap to full-time photography, who are coming in to the industry, to the business, motivated and excited about creating an income and a business from something that they love doing. And Tammy is doing exactly that. I know there are going to be a ton of takeaways, no matter what stage of business you're in with your photography, even if it's hearing how a photography business coach can help shape your business and get you to where you want to be. So that's coming up in just a minute. But if you didn't catch last week's episode with Nasa Lee, make sure you get back and have a listen to that one. Nasa has a very cool way of running her business. She doesn't give away free sessions her clients pay upfront and in full before the actual session. There are no hidden surprises for her clients when it comes to purchasing wall art or digital files. It all happens at the front end and upfront. So get back and have a listen to NASA if you haven't heard that one, especially if you dislike the idea of giving away free sessions. Before we jump into this interview with Tammy, which is coming up in just a minute, make sure you stick around till the end of the podcast because I received an email this morning from Mary Beth Bryant, or MB as she goes by, who's a photographer based in the US. And she challenged me on the way that I ask questions to female photographers, and in particular, mums who become or who are photographers. Now, she wasn't specifically talking about me, but she brings up the fact that we, as a collective group of photographers, talk differently and ask different questions to mums who are photographers. Now, in that conversation that I recorded, I put forward the premise to MB that maybe it's the women who are putting that label on themselves, which could be the issue that she's referring to. Anyway, we go a lot deeper, so stick around for that. I'd love to hear your thoughts, whether or not you are a male or female photographer. If you do feel like this is an issue in our industry or that's specific to our industry as photographers, do you think this is the fault of women? Is it the fault of men? Is it no one's fault? Is it something that we even have to consider? Again, stick around, have a listen to what MB and I talk about, and I would love to hear your thoughts. You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich, photobizx.com. Alrighty, we are going to jump into this interview with Tammy in just a second. If you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now, what that means is you won't hear the full interview today with Tammy. I am saving a portion of the second half for premium members only. The good news is 
You can access the full interview for as little as $1 with a 30-day trial membership. There are more details about that over at photobizx.com forward slash try. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Today's guest is based in Adelaide, Australia. She's a mother of three and she focuses on family photography. And she has an easy-to-use website complete with welcome video, beautifully photographed products, and a lovely, warm look to her images. And I asked her onto the podcast after receiving the following message. She says, Thanks for your great podcast. It has helped me and my business immensely. I've moved from doing it as a hobby with no profit to having quit my day job and now have a profitable business. In addition to that, she told me about working with photography business coaches Mark Rosetto and Joel Dunn. Although she says she's still early on in her business journey, it's exciting to see where it has the potential of leading. I'm talking about Tammy Miles of Captivating Photography, and I'm wrapped to have her with us now. Tammy, welcome. Thanks, Andrew. I'm wrapped to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Now, for the listener that doesn't know the secret of audio, I I do do a little bit of editing. That was the worst intro I've ever recorded, and you just sat there quietly listening. Were you laughing? (laughs) No, I was sort of pleased that you don't make everything absolutely perfect all the time, so it's good. (laughs) Absolutely not. So tell me about your business. Like I said, you're in Adelaide. Do you serve all of Adelaide or do you concentrate on a small little part of Adelaide with your business? Most of Adelaide. Adelaide's pretty small, so it's pretty easy to serve the main sort of part of Adelaide. Like everywhere's generally within 40 minutes of each other. So I've got my main places that I generally photograph at and usually people are happy to come to me. And then I've got my studio as well. So they come to me or everyone's usually relatively happy to travel an hour. Got it. Okay. So for the listener that doesn't know, Adelaide is the capital city of South Australia, but like you said, it's still not, it's not a big city city, is it? No, everywhere is about 20 minutes away. So, <laughs> Which is nice. So are you near the coast? Like are you doing most of your sessions on the beach, in parks, in bushland? Where are you tending to go for your sessions? So yeah, my three main ones are the beach. So Adelaide's a beach city. So we've got lots of beautiful, beautiful beaches. I usually just pick the beaches that are closer to the city. So if my clients are from the north, I'll usually pick a northern beach. If they're from the south, I'll pick a southern beach because we've got all the beach, you know, north to south. And then I've also got like a forest location, which is pretty centrally located and like a hillside location. Again, that's about 10, 15 minutes from the city. So Yeah, everything's nice and close, so no one usually complains too much about having to travel half an hour. (laughs) Nice. And I said you've got three kids, so do you sort of plan your sessions to fit around the family or have you got your husband or your partner just steps in and helps whenever you get a booking? Like how does that part work? Yeah, so that's something I need to work on a little bit more because I'm still a little bit too flexible for clients, but, yeah, I do have my sort of – I have my set days during the week, so I've got three days a week that I can work work because kids are at school and kindy. So that's sort of all my editing time, my admin time, my marketing time, all of that sort of stuff and shooting ideally. But most of the people I photograph are families that also have kids that are in school and all of that sort of stuff. So generally they're more available on the weekends. So I need to get out of the mindset of doing what works for them. But I do sort of clump the photo shoots together so it's not all weekend every weekend and I'll only photograph every second weekend and then yeah try to sort of 
book it when it suits me so it doesn't impact too much. But yeah, I've definitely got a supportive husband at home who takes the reins <laughs> with the kids so I can get out there and do the photo shoots. Unreal, unreal. And I said also in the intro that, you know, your photography is your full-time job now, but it's not your, you're not doing it full-time, are you? Because you are a mother of three. You've got them to look after. Yeah, correct. So yeah, kids come first and then, but it's my only source of income. The rest of the work's unpaid work (laughs) with the kids. Right. Got it. Got it. So do you allocate a certain amount of time to the business or do you have a business target in regards to revenue that you're trying to reach? Like, Tell me about the business side of things. So I guess it all comes down to what I used to do for work. So I'm an occupational therapist. I went to uni. I've worked in the industry for 15 years. You know, I've earned my stripes. I was earning quite a good wage as an occupational therapist. So my goal is to work similar hours and get paid a similar amount. So um, that doesn't always happen. (laughs) So because like photography was always just a hobby for me and on the side, and then it's just gradually grown over the years and yet come to this point where I've been able to transition over to doing photography. And so at the moment it is replacing what I would have earned as an occupational therapist. But if I look at the hours, I'm pretty positive I'm not getting as good an hourly rate as I would working as an OT. And I'm obviously doing some weekend work, which was not ever done in my professional OT job. Got it. Okay. So you're earning the same, but you're doing more hours, which is pretty normal for a small business operator, especially someone that's newer to the business. Yeah. And, you know, I try to change my mindset about that a little bit as well, because I am like early on in my journey. And, you know, I think back to, I spent four years at uni. Did I get paid for any of that? No, I actually had to pay to do that. And then when I was a new grad, I didn't get paid very well and you had to work. So, you know, sometimes I think of it like that. And I also think that I'm doing something that I love and it's a hobby and I'm getting paid for that. Like, how awesome is that? Like quit whinging that I could get paid slightly more to do yeah something else for sure well, tell me what is an occupational therapist yeah not everyone knows <laughs> so it's allied health so the closest profession that most people know is a physiotherapist so a little bit different but same same ish so you're dealing with is it predominantly children or is it adults as well who have you know depends on your specialty so yeah we work with kids who have different issues and disabilities or limited abilities and help them to learn and play and move their bodies and interpret the world around them and also work in aged care, helping people to be more independent and um, live their lives as good as possible or people who have had accidents and help them to regain function, regain just life skills in general. So it's very broad and there are a lot of different areas of occupational therapy. So it's I've always said it's a great job because you can sort of change the niche that you work in without getting a new degree. So it's, yeah, generally I rate it as a good profession, which is where it's been a bit hard for me because I did still like my job. It wasn't a job that I hated and I wanted to get out of. So, I mean, that begs the question, why leave that job and why not keep photography as a hobby that you could just go on and enjoy, you know, without having the pressure of these extra hours and trying to build a business? It's a question I ask myself quite a lot of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I was probably at a point where I was a little bit 
done in the area that I was working in because I did mostly work in one main area for a while and I was just a little bit sort of bored of it. And I do love the business side of things and the challenge of that. So I guess in my OT job, it was a bit sort of same samey, which is fine. But yeah, I sort of liked the challenge and liked hearing of everyone else's stories of how far they come. And I'm like, oh, you can actually make a living doing this because I originally didn't think that was possible. (laughs) I always thought. So yeah, when I went to school, backstory. So I did photography in year 10, but I was always good at maths and science. So I'm like, you're not going to get a good uni entry score doing artsy fartsy sort of thing. So I always liked the arts, but never pursued them because I didn't think they were um, yeah, going to get me a good enough score to get into a good uni degree. So that's just sort of where I came from with that sort of mindset. So then, yeah, being able to go, oh, you can do this as a job and you can (laughs) sort of make a living from it was a good moment, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I imagine a lot of people go through that, you know, at their school age. Is that, do you think, from your parents? Like, did they have university degrees? Did they have that belief? Were they not artsy-fartsy, as you said? Correct. Yeah. (laughs) 100%. Yeah. So it was very much... Yeah, just expected. And, you know, they were lovely and they support me, whatever I do. I think they nearly fell off their chairs when I told them I was quitting OT to pursue photography. But they, um, you know, it was just sort of expected that you go to school, you go to high school, you go to uni, you work. Like, I think it's just that generation, a lot of it as well. But I think they would have supported me if I wanted to do something different, but I never saw it as an option or considered it. I just didn't consider it. Yeah. I guess if you haven't been exposed to it at all, then you don't even know it's an avenue. Like yeah. there's a potential to make an income as a, you know, doing art. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which is cool. Yeah. So tell me about your revenue now. I've already said you're not full time. What are you actually bringing in overall? Yeah. So the last 12 months, so I'm still early in my journey. So the last 12 months, which was when I was still working as an OT and for at least, well, until October, I've worked as an OT and I was also working with another photographer for three or four of those months, bringing in other income there. So from my business alone, it's in the last year, I've made about 40 thousand dollars which has been just from 37 photo shoots so wow um great yeah so it's eleven hundred dollar average after the cost of goods because the way i like to calculate things is after the cost of goods like more profit rather than just what you take in that's how my brain works (laughs) okay so just clear that up for me so 40k is that excluding cost of goods yeah 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 is that net yeah that's awesome. Yeah. That's really good. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, right. So hang on. So if, if you're doing 37 shoots though and 1100, is 1100 average, is that after cost of goods? It's after cost of goods, but obviously there's still some cost of doing business. Sure, sure. So which was quite a lot last year because I did some training with Joel. So that's a little bit expensive. (laughs) So tell me how your brain works because I hear some people, even coaches, like interchanging those two terms, cost of goods and cost of doing business. But to me, they're two separate amounts because cost of doing business could be your, I mean, are you including your, say, your camera equipment in that? No, no, no. So cost of goods is just the printed products that I give the person. That's right. So cost of doing business would include buying a camera gear. Yeah. Yeah. Your gear and your subscriptions and your website and stuff for the studio and all of that sort of 
And marketing. Yes. Marketing is everything. Okay, so that's all, that's not counted out of this 40K, but out of the 40K, you've already taken out the cost of the actual products yeah. that you had to, to spend money on to give to the clients. So it was about $10,000 cost of doing business for the last 12 months. And so it's $30,000 just pure profit. That's net profit. Great. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. That's so good. I love the way you're even thinking about your numbers. Uh, and were you thinking like that originally or is that after you started working with Joel? No, I'm a numbers person. So okay. <laughs> I'm always thinking about the numbers. So, but yeah, I always think about the profit because I don't see the point in going, oh, I made $2,000, but I don't know how much I've actually taken home. So I always, yeah, sort of focus on how much I'm getting out of it as opposed to how much is coming through. Yes. Love that. I love it. I'm going to come back to the numbers and the actual business in a second, but tell me about making that jump from hobby to professional photographer and actually starting to charge. I mean, I talked about you living in Adelaide and I know every city is different, but they're also the same. There's lots of other photographers there. Yeah. Did you feel any pressure or did you feel like that imposter syndrome when you started charging at all? Yeah. hundred percent. I feel like an imposter being on your podcast. I don't feel like I'm good enough to be on here. You have superstars. Your work and website are beautiful. But so tell me about that though. Like, like when you made that decision, you flicked the switch to say, okay, I'm going to start charging. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess I always charged. So from the get go, I charged, but I charged not very much and it was a shoot and burn situation. So yeah, always charged something, but then it was just gradually going up and up and up. And then, yeah, then I did the coaching with, well, it was just a, some of the sprint courses with Mark Rosetto and I did a two-hour sort of one-on-one session with him where we went through a price list and sort of changed it. At that point, that was still to do an online sort of sales thing, so do the shoot and then they look at the online gallery and buy themselves because that was sort of what was suiting me at the time. But I didn't do that for very long because then I got in with Joel and sort of took the leap of in-person sales. So that's when, and comes back to numbers, then I sort of thought this takes up this much time. Like it takes a lot more time to do in-person sales. So I clearly need to increase the prices, but Joel helped with that as well. God, okay. So I want to be really clear, and I'm sure you would agree that when Mark designed or helped you design your price list, that's what suited you at the time. Like you wanted to be Correct. doing online sales, even though Mark promotes in-person sales, it just didn't fit. Yeah, he wasn't pushing it with me at all. I think Mark is very much like what you need at the time. And he knew that, yeah, I was working for another photographer at the time and I had the three young kids and I was working my day job and photography effectively was a hobby. He was just trying to help me make it a bit more of a sort of profitable hobby. So make a bit more money from it. But then, yeah, when I got onto Joel, I guess that's where I invested in myself and the business and a lot of time in that coaching, which is where I sort of went, okay, we're on. I'm going to do it properly now. Okay. So you actually mentally made the leap. Okay. We're going pro now. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so, I mean, did you make that switch or did Joel say, come on, Tammy, it's time to step up? No, so Joel helps you do a stretch goal, which is like a 12-monthy kind of goal. And, yeah, he helps you sort of break down those barriers of going, no, I can't do that. I can't earn money from something I enjoy. And so, yeah, helped me do the stretch goal, which was to get to where I am sort of right now, which is good. So, yay, go me. <laughs> <laughs> and But 
when I was doing that goal, I was like, oh, pff, this is never going to happen. But he, like you do the stretch goal and then you've got to make actionable steps to get there. And so one of those steps was quitting working for this other photographer. Another step was like reducing my OT work and doing marketing campaigns to get more clients. And so it was just a very gradual process of reduce the OT, increase the photography income. Right. So was his plan or your thought process, was it to stop working for the other photographer, reduce the OT time to give you more time to work on your own business? Like, yeah. Was that the end goal? Then you could reach yeah. the monetary figure you had set. Yeah. Yeah. And to stop the OT altogether so that then I could, yeah, actually focus on the business and yeah, stop sort of juggling so many balls and actually just focus on the business and give it the attention that it hasn't had because I've been doing everything else. Okay. So you must have told Joel then that, hey, I want to give up the OT work or you want to make photography the primary source of income. I guess I must have. I'm, I know there's been times with both Mark and Joel and they're like, what do you want? And I'm like, I don't know. You tell me what I want. I don't know. So, <laughs> okay. But yeah, when I go through the motions, especially with Joel. Yeah, it must have come out that that was my priority is to work on the, the photography business and turn it into something profitable and yeah, do more of what I love doing, I suppose. Right. So why couldn't you do what you're doing now, but keep doing OT? Not enough hours in the day. Okay. So, so something had to give Correct. to be where you are now. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Okay. And you obviously worked through your own things with Joel and said, okay, I want that to be photography. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Okay, cool. Awesome. So tell me about the time, if you can remember, tell me about the decision to actually hand in your resignation at the OT job. Like, was it a, a switch flicking? Was it Joel saying, listen, Tammy, you've got to go in this week. It's This is the week no. you're handing in your resignation. No, definitely not. So it was just very gradual. So I wrote some notes to remind me of the timeline of things. So, um, so I did the coaching with Joel at the end of 2021. So it's like a three month sort of coaching thing. And then at the end of that, so the beginning of 2022, I went from three days a week down to two days a week OT. So I had one full day a week to devote to the business and then, yeah, kept sort of doing marketing campaigns and that sort of stuff and doing my website and all of that jazz to get it more of a proper business. And then in mid-2022, so last year, I went casual with my OT so I could kind of do as much or as little as I wanted. And the idea was to, yeah, try to balance the photography with the OT, but OT's not, well, in my role, it wasn't that sort of easy to, to manage. A lot of it's case management. So stuff would happen with clients and then I'd have to do two days of work out of nowhere and find time out of nowhere. And I'm a bit of a yes person. I <laughs> would always say yes to things. And then I'm like, I don't know when I'm going to fit this all in. So it was hard to give my business the attention it needed because I was always sort of filling my hours with OT work and photography kept getting put last again. And so I just found I wasn't really being productive and chopping and changing between OT and photography. It just wasn't really working for me. So I think it was, yeah, before September, what's that, August, I said to my boss, I was like, oh, I think I need to quit altogether. So like gave them six weeks notice to wrap everything up and transition over. So yeah. Unreal. 
So one of the things I hear and I've even been known to say is that, you know, once you quit, and I experienced this myself actually in my own life, once you quit the day job and you have more time to work on the business, then that business grows exponentially because you have that extra time to spend in the business. And that's something people hear. Did you experience that yourself? Yeah, definitely. And so I guess, again, it was sort of a, a bit gradual because it was very much, and, and that comes back to sort of my personality and how like I couldn't, I don't think I could have just like quit and like gone from three days a week OT into fully into my business. I have to sort of, I'm a bit more reserved and cautious. And so I made sure when I was quitting in October, my calendar was full for October for photography. So I knew that that income was sitting there waiting for me to go into. But yeah, since quitting, it's just been, it's just been like a weight off of my shoulders, I suppose, having the day job and just not having to try to juggle as many things. So, and yeah, it's definitely meant that I've got so much more time now to put into the business and rather than just working, you know, doing the photo shoots and that sort of thing, I can actually plan and grow the business itself. Nice. You said something there that made me think, you know, this money, this $40,000 that you're you know, bringing into the household, that's important to the household, isn't it? Like, it's not just plain money you're talking about. Well, I sort of think it is the play money because without it, you can, we could get by. Like I'm not the breadwinner. That's, um, at the moment anyway, because I work part time. My role is kid looking after. My husband is great with the kids too, of course. But yeah, I work part time so I can do the school drop, the kindy drop, the school pick up, the kindy pick up and all, all of that sort of jazz. But yeah, so we don't need the money, which is where I do have that flexibility to do this but we want the money and without the money, we might not get holidays or might be in a bit of a pickle if it keeps going like this. But I guess another thing that's allowed me to sort of go full in with the photography is that with my OT work, I could at any point just go, give me some more work. And they'd totally be like, sure, here you go. So, so I've always got that as a backup. And even now, even now you have that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime. So, so if I was in a pickle, I could just like, smash out a couple of full-time weeks at OT and get a bit more income. So I sort of have that up my sleeve as a, an emergency if we need the money. But we're not on dire straits, but, yeah, we're doing totally fine. <laughs> but, <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> so it's funny that you said that, though. So I'm thinking that there's going to be a stage where you're going to think we could do with some extra holiday money, for example, why don't I just run a different marketing campaign or why don't I increase my photography prices or why don't I do some more sessions? But you're still thinking I can go back and do some more OT. Do you think that will change? <laughs> well, probably one day. And yeah, I guess I'm still in the refining phase of making sure my calendar is full and stays full and people don't just drop off into nowhere and all of that. So I'm still in those early days where... Um, you know, until recently, I haven't been t making people pay a deposit and then they just magically ghost me and don't. <laughs> yes. Or, you know, kids are always sick and the weather can be crap. So that can really sort of throw things out. So I'm learning that I need to sort of overbook my calendar because there's going to be some cancellation or reschedules. So I need to overbook and anticipate that because I'm low volume. If, yeah, I try to do eight, well, no, I try to book eight shoots a month so that assuming that six will go ahead. That's um, sort of where I'm at 
at the moment. As far as raising prices and stuff, I will get to that, but it's a stepping thing. So at the moment, I feel comfortable with where my prices are at, but I'm sure at some point in the not too distant future, I'll be happy to go up another step, but I feel like I need to believe in it before I can try to sell it. Yes. So talking about pricing, did you have your pricing where you wanted it before you quit or when you quit the OT job or did you quit and then put them up? No, I had it where I wanted it. But then since doing more shoots, I have changed it, like tweaked it so that there's more profit in it. I don't know that I've actually, I don't think I changed the price points, but I decreased what was included. So like decreased my cost of goods for some of them. So yeah, I've sort of tweaked that for now. But yeah, I definitely had it where I was ready to go when I quit. Okay. So it wasn't like a a whole lot of big changes all at once. Everything sounds pretty gradual. Like you sort of worked your way into where you are now. Yeah. And I think like it was very much with Joel's coaching, like that's a three month intensive sort of coaching. So most of it changed in that time. And that's when I yeah definitely changed my price list and started the in-person sales stuff as well. So yeah, that was all kind of tied in together. Nice. This is so good, Tammy. Like congratulations on getting to where you are right now. I mean, do you pinch yourself now and think, wow, I'm a photographer? Yeah. Like especially reflecting, you know, we're always so busy just doing stuff. But when I do look back and especially like when I look at my stretch goal, which when I wrote the stretch goal, I'm like, "Mm, okay, Joel, fine. I'll do what you tell me to do, but this is never going to be a reality. And now I'm not quite achieving it. I didn't quite get there. I didn't quite achieve it, but I think it's a hundred percent achievable for this year. So yeah, I think it's really good to look back and reflect because I have definitely come a long way and, but I still feel very much at the beginning of my journey and I'm not quite necessarily where I want to be. Like now my goalposts have shifted a bit, but I know that there's the opportunity and I can make it what I want it to be in the future. So even though I'm not there, I'm on my way. God, so good. I mean, you talked about stretch goals a couple of times. Is a stretch goal a monetary figure? It can be. (laughs) So it was. (laughs) That was one of the primary sort of parts of it um, was, yeah, having it as earning a certain amount for the. So, what was your stretch goal? Need to pull it up. Do you want me to pull it up? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we might need to pause. (laughs) I need to open my old one. So, have you got a series of like documents or spreadsheets or something from Joel that you sort of fill in, or is this just your own things, your own little diary? No, this is like a Joel-based thing. He gives you the structure, but then you have to personalise it and do it yourself. Um, but I just have to remember where I actually put it. So, so I'm surprised, and this is, uh, I'm not saying anything bad about you here, but I'm surprised you just don't have the number on the top of your head, like 60000 <laughs> Oh No, it was per month. I think it was like $8,000 a month, but the stretch goal, they're worded in a specific way. So... Stretch goal. Here we go. So, are you ready for it? <laughs> so, it is 31st of December 2022, and I have effortlessly and easily earned $8,000 a month with an average sale of $2,000. I'm proud and excited that I've achieved this or something better. So, that's the wording, which is very Joel ish um, <laughs> of the stretch goal. So, so yeah, $8,000 and four shoots, $2,000 
a shoot. So I'm not quite there. The last month, like January, I did. Sorry, I'll pull that one up as well. When you say the what do you mean the last month, January? Oh, I don't know. I just mean January. Oh, okay, so right, yeah. <laughs> the last month being the last month that we just had is January. I did seven shoots and the average day was 12,000. So I don't know how much that 1,200 or 1,200. 12? 1,200. <laughs> sorry. That's all right. Yeah, take a zero. Just double check. Wow. Because <laughs> I'm trying to multitask. I can't do two things at once. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> So I'll just pull up the calculator of what's that, 1268 times 7. So, yeah, so in January, and this is, again, after cost of goods, I made nearly $9,000 in that month. So, But it's $9,000 and seven shoots, not $8,000 and four shoots. But, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other sort of thing, a little bit. Sure, sure. So tell me then, Tammy, so what's more important to you to be shooting less and making the same, like making an amount or making that amount no matter what? Well, no, I don't want to waste my time. Time is a valuable resource to me. So if, yeah, in an ideal world, and that's where my goal is, like I, I would like to be getting $2,000 per shoot and only doing four shoots to get $8,000. But that stretch goal is based on like the sale, so a $2,000 sale, which then obviously has some cost of goods and stuff. So it's a little bit sort of we're using different figures here. Yeah, is- yeah, sure. No, but I get the juice though. So really you want to be, your target is that $2,000 sale with slightly less number of sessions per month, that four sessions a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that makes yeah. total. and I agree with you, that's totally doable considering from, you know, where you've come from and where you're heading. Like that's, yeah. That should happen this year. So tell me, with your current pricing, if someone's spending on average, you know, eleven or $1,200, what are they actually taking home? So Joel wouldn't be happy with how much I give them. Um, but <laughs> and you know he'll be listening and coming back to you after this. <laughs> oh, no, no. Um, so, but with, again, it's that sort of stepping thing of I'm not quite comfortable with how he recommends your price. So I still need to work on my mindset to get more comfortable with that. But so most people spend around about the sort of 15, 16, $1,700. And then for that, they either get like a box, like a 11 by 14 box set that's got 15 matted prints in it with the, the glass, well, the perspex either side or like a big collage like a 30 by 30 collage frame or um yeah so for around about that price point you get yeah 30 by 30 so that's what most people get is the sort of storyboard frames or the box set of the matted prints got it okay so even though they're priced at around that 15 16 or 1700 dollars, the average is less because some people either buy nothing or spend very little No one's bought nothing because I try to get rid of them or not shoot them because I don't want to waste their time. But, yeah, some people get more. Some people get, you know, a collection of wall art with several pieces of wall art and then some people get my lowest package is a five-photo package and that comes with like five smaller matted prints. So that's the the minimum package. So, yeah, I've had two of those ever and then other people get more. Got it. I love it. What's interesting to me, and I'm sure the listener, is the fact that you're working with Joel and you've worked with Mark as well, but in particular Joel, even though he's pushing you to do some things that push you outside your comfort zone, you can still resist a little bit and you've got to live through what you can live with. 
Yeah, yeah, correct. So, <laughs> so yeah, Joel, he sets the standard, but then you don't always meet the standards. So. <laughs> right. Some of us are subpar. <laughs> right. And so, and you also said too that, it's, that you have to work on your mindset. So it's not really, it's not your photography. It's not your price list. It's not your marketing. It's not the clients. So it's, it's coming down to your mindset. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I have to feel that it's worth it enough because I just feel like right now I do wholeheartedly believe I'm worth what people pay. But yeah, if I increased it a lot, I'd be like, oh, but you can get this person for like cheaper or that. Yeah. You know, that imposter syndrome sort of thing of I'm not good enough. <laughs> okay. So your imposter syndrome kicks in. It's not, you're not thinking the photos need to be better or bigger. So where's it coming from? So you're seeing other photographers at different price levels. Yeah. Well, a bit of both, a bit of both. So yeah, like I'll think, oh, but you could go to that person. They're better. They've been in business longer. They're more professional. They've got better systems and you get more products. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So this is a hundred percent a mindset thing. It is like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So then knowing that and having said that, do you take steps to work on that or you think that's just going to come naturally with time? So both. So I think I have made big steps in increasing to this current point. And also when I did re sort of just rejig my price list a little bit to make it a little bit more profity. And I also just need to yeah get out of my own way sometimes. And I just try to reflect. And every time you do a photo shoot and a sales session, you learn something. And so I'm really quite new to the sales stuff. As I said, I've done 37 photo shoots since working with Joe. And so that's 37 in-person sales appointments. So not that many in the scheme of things. So I just try to reflect on it. And, you know, obviously listening to your podcast and other people that do it, I sort of go, oh yeah, I'm an idiot. Why, why, why did I do that? So I went through the same things when I went to seminars in the early days. I didn't know you could upsell extra pages in a wedding album. I mean, how yeah. silly is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, I'm definitely sort of a guilty of going, okay, good. You've got that. Okay. Let's go. Like, you know, we're done rather than trying the, would you like fries with that <laughs> sort of? Yes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I should ask Joel this question, but I'm going to put it to you. When you talk about other photographers, let's say you've got another photographer pictured down the road and you said all those things, you know, they've got better systems. They've been in business longer. They don't charge as much. You might know about their customer service or, you know, whatever it is they have that you think is amazing. Does Joel say to you, well, Tammy, you just have to ignore that or you need to step up your game and offer more. I'd say he probably would just say ignore that. Like they're a different person. They're not you. So who cares what they're doing? Right, okay. <laughs> and, you know, I am a numbers person and so I'll know that the reason they do that is because, and there's always a point of difference, but, yeah, the reason they do that is because they're much higher volume and that they don't, that means the client doesn't get as personalised experience. Like I'm very, very guiding of my clients and I do a lot of time with my clients and I know that they don't get that. So, you know, I can rationalise it to myself of going, well, there is a difference. I am worth it. But I think Joel's very much like just focus on you. Just stop, stop looking at <laughs> yes. ooh, a shiny thing out the window. Stop looking at that. Just Yeah, that's true. I imagine you probably know the names and maybe maybe even the names of the kids of your past 37 clients. I mean, you probably see them in the street, recognize them, be able to chat to them and remember their actual sessions, which is lovely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, by the end of it, I feel like I know them and we're like friends and just sort of thing. So I get attached just as much as hopefully they might. So <laughs> yeah, it's very much a process, but that's what I love about it. And I love, yeah, getting that's so much better about the in-person sales stuff rather than just the shoot and burn and you meet them and you're like, oh, okay, so what's, what's your kids' names? And- <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So with your big goal, um, what did you call it? Your stretch goal for this year. Is it to get to that 8K, 2K average for shoots? Yes. So I changed it to be the profit because I think I've changed it to be six, yeah, six shoots a month and 1500 like after cost of goods, just because that's the way that, yeah, my brain works. So and six shoots is completely achievable in my opinion because that's you know three or fortnight so I feel like I can service that many and then I can yeah I feel like it's achievable but then Joel would probably say that like a stretch goal the whole point of a stretch goal is to be a stretch it's not actually supposed to be what's achievable but I feel a bit sad when I don't achieve my goals (laughs) so I like to and as an occupational therapist, about half of the uni degree is about setting goals and <laughs> setting smart goals and setting achievable goals. And so I like, it's not that much of a stretch, but achievable. God, okay. So if, if we talk in 12 months, would you expect or hope to be? I'm not sure you hope to do. I would expect, expect to be. I would expect. Yeah, that, right. yeah. Nice. So I would expect that. But if I was to correctly do a stretch goal, it would be something exceeding that. Right. It'd be 10 or $12,000. <laughs> Yeah, potentially, or less shoots, you know, like a higher average, something that's like sort of, yeah, the stretch goal is sort of like out of reach, but you can kind of see it. But whereas I've sort of just set my goal as a reachable goal. Yeah, yeah. Six, six shoots a month, 1500 after cost of goods. And the reason I set that is because that is the point that then replaces my OT equivalent after cost of doing business, giving myself some super, taking annual leave, taking sick leave, you know, all of that sort of stuff. So that'll be the matching point. And then anything above of that is just yay. Cream. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you mentioned the number of in-person sales sessions that you've done. How have they changed from the first one you did to what you do now? I don't know that they've changed too much. It's probably other processes along the way of educating people so that when they get there, they're expecting to spend more because originally I sort of thought, I'll just give them the price list and they'll see it. And I did speak about the price list, but I generally only speak about the cheapest parts of the price list. And then I'm like, oh, they'll they'll see it. They'll be fine. And but then they get there and they're like, oh, to be honest, I didn't even look at it. And <laughs> So what do you do now? How do you prepare them to spend? Premium members of PhotoBiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. Tammy, this has been amazing. I've got one more question to ask you about you know, fitting in as a photographer now. But before that, where's the best place for listeners to see your website that we've talked about and your socials? <laughs> so the website's just captivatingphotography.com.au and then Facebook's just Captivating Photography and then Instagram, captivatingphotography underscore au. Okay, I'll add links to those in the show notes. Is there anything else you're using on so like you're using Pinterest or LinkedIn or TikTok? No, they're, they're on the maybe to-do list, but 
I just, I don't find socials particularly lead generating in themselves. So it's, um, I find them, yeah, just sort of too time consuming and I don't get much directly, like direct bookings from them these days because I'm not the super cheap shoot and burn. <laughs> Price point. Right. So you're talking about organic posts, you know, going out there and reaching people. So you're still using the socials for advertising, but just not for organic posting. Oh, no, no. I still use them, but like, so I still use Facebook and Instagram just to sort of be current, but I try not to invest too much time. And sometimes I think about, oh yeah, I should do LinkedIn or I should do TikTok or I should do, you know, Pinterest or whatever. But I sort of think, well, I'm not getting the most return at the moment from Facebook and Instagram. So I just need to focus my time on what gives me the best return because I don't have enough time. So it's generally not social media. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. The last thing I wanted to ask you was, you know, when you first went pro, you had, uh, you know, these feelings of, what do we call it? What's the word? Imposter syndrome, is that what you Imposter syndrome, yes. Yeah. Do you still feel that now, today? Like, because you've been going for a couple of years now, like you've got a great average sale, you're booking shoots regularly, you've got a website, you're running ads. Do you still feel like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's good. I guess sometimes, but I think it's less. And I think Joel helps with that a little bit of, you know, it's it's such a roller coaster having, having a business. And sometimes, yeah, you know, I'll have my three shoots for the fortnight lined up on the weekend and then they're all outside shoots and it's pouring with rain all weekend. And I'm just like, there goes my fortnight's income. You know, this sucks. Like, so sometimes, yeah, Joel's training, I guess, helps you to kind of refocus and not lose track of the end goal and just deal with the ups and downs a little bit and sort of go, well, you know, this happens. What am I going to do with it? Deal with How am I going to deal with it? And what am I going to do to sort of prevent it happening in the future? And can't always help rain. But. <laughs> so what happens now, though, for you, because you are lower volume and you don't have the time to shoot seven days a week, like, so if it does rain all weekend and you lose your three sessions, like, how do you manage that now? So that's where I'm trying to book the eight and knowing that two, like, because it seems to be the average that two, either kids are going to be sick or the weather's not going to play. And I guess Adelaide's pretty dry most of the time. So it doesn't really rain that often. So it's more in winter, like at the moment we're good because we're summer, but in the winter, I just try to book a lot more studio shoots. So it's not an issue. So yeah, studio is much easier (laughs) and just don't have to deal with that. But then also a large part of my client base is families with sort of school age kids and the studio is a bit boring for them and they want the outdoor more sort of playing fun photos. So um, just got to roll with it, I suppose, try to, um, and as I said, we don't need need the money so just sort of go okay cool now i can spend the weekend with my family like that's look at the positives reassess it that way yeah yeah and it doesn't really matter i'm not gonna have to feed them two minute noodles for the rest of their life (laughs) (laughs) i didn't ask how old are your kids uh so i've got one's about to turn 11 and then seven and a half and then the youngest is about to turn four so three and a half year gaps so wow okay so it's a busy household yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tammy, this has been amazing. It's been so good to talk to you. Congratulations on how far you've come. I hope you do take a chance to look back and appreciate like the journey and where you're at now because it's it really it's amazing. And uh, I can't wait to follow up in the future and hear about you hitting these stretch goals and setting new ones. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing everything you have. 
Thank you, Andrew. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, in a few years' time, I can be one of these superstar um, podcast people that you interview rather than just at the beginning of my journey. So, um, yeah, thank you. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for everything you do for all of us. It's, yeah, definitely learn a lot. And every episode is super useful to help reinforce some of those little things that um, keep niggling away at you. So, (laughs) unreal. Thanks, Sammy. Thanks. And, uh, it sounds like you are, but just enjoy enjoy every moment along the way. Yeah. Don't race to that end goal too quick because the, the journey's the fun part. Yeah, no, no, exactly. The kids are the priority, so we're just, um, yeah, business is coming along, but it's second <laughs> in my life, so it'll get there eventually. Unreal. Uh, you're doing amazingly. So, again, thanks, Tammy. No worries. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Tammy as much as I did. Tammy, congratulations again on your success. It was so much fun to talk to you, to hear about your business, to hear about your successes and your huge steps in making this a lifelong career. So again, massive congrats and thanks for coming on and sharing everything you have. For you, the listener, I do hope there were a ton of takeaways from Tammy. If you do have a follow-up question for her, you can hit her up in the comments area of the show notes. This week, they're at photobizx.com forward slash 511. Now, in addition to the comments area, you'll see examples of Tammy's beautiful work. I've also got links to anything and everything that she mentioned. It's all there in that one spot. And of course, if you are a premium member, you'll have easy access to Tammy. So if you just want to say thanks for coming on and sharing what you did, or if you have a follow-up question about any of the processes that she talked about in the interview, you can hit her up and tag her inside the members Facebook group. Oh, and don't forget to stick around till after the closing jingle for today's episode because I have that recording of the Zoom call I had with Mary Beth Bryant earlier today. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that one. It's shout out time. I've got one big shout out for today's episode and this one is a little different. It came via email and it's not for the PhotoBizX podcast as such. It's for the online sales course. And this shout out goes to Sydney pet photographer, Rachel McCready. She says in an email to me that the sales course, the online sales course or the online sales masterclass was exactly what I was looking for. And she goes on to say, I'm a hater of sales and never felt IPS was going to be my thing. I also felt bad about making people come to the studio twice. I still have samples in the studio for people interested in prints and products, but I've already sold to the three people I've offered my new digital packages to. Not the highest package, but I've priced them in a manner that even if I sell three of my lowest packages per week, I'm able to live comfortably and keep the lights on. I can't thank you enough for this course. I've only implemented it over the weekend, but so far, so good. And I have super high hopes that this is a breakthrough I was looking for. That is so, so good. Uh, Thank you, Rachel, for sharing that with me and the listener. I'm really looking forward to hearing how things progress with your new online sales approach, how the sales go, how many people purchase, how many times you sell the top package as opposed to the middle or bottom package. So please keep me posted. And again, so many thanks for coming back and sharing that with me. For you, the listener, if you do want to check out the online sales masterclass or any of the courses for PhotoBizX listeners, simply head to photobizx.com, look under the resources tab, and you'll see where you can access all the different courses or purchase the additional courses if you want access to them. And of course, 
And don't forget, if you are a premium member, make sure to access the courses through the premium resource page because you get 20 to 40% off any of the courses on the website. And you'll find courses on Facebook ads, online sales, how to get started in pet photography, how to run competitions on Facebook, Facebook lead ads, how to get a ton of booking from expos, and so many more. They're all there in the courses page. So go and check them out if you haven't seen them because you might just be like Rachel and find the little key that unlocks something in your business that helps you reach a whole new level. Alrighty, that is it for the business side of things for this episode of the podcast. In regards to what's been going on in my life, I mentioned last week that my eldest son Matthew was engaged or proposed to his future wife, Lauren, last week. Well, we caught up with them last night for the first time since their engagement. And wow, what an incredible ring. This thing was dazzling both Linda and I across the dinner table all night. And it was so nice to see both of them so happy, so excited. We were talking about different wedding options, venues, invitation lists, an engagement session, photography, honeymoons, and so much more. So I can see this is going to be a, uh, a fun, excitement-filled six to 12 months ahead with lots of planning, laughter, hopefully not too many tears and some great family time. So yeah, it really is a a special time in our family at the moment, which is really, really lovely. That is it for this episode of the podcast. Stay safe, healthy and well, and I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. I'm with Mary Beth Bryant from Mary Beth Bryant Photography, who goes by MB. She's based in Spokane, Washington. She has a very successful photography business and she emailed me. I woke up to this email this morning and it was basically about women who have a photography business and who are successful uh, in their business and about being more than recognized as a mum with a camera. But I'm going to hand it over to MB. And just can you can you sort of share with me your 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 thoughts on the topic and let's and let's go from there. Yeah, so I guess I first want to say that there's nothing wrong if you are a mom that has a camera, right? Like Andrew, you're a cyclist, correct? Correct. And you're a dad. So you're a dad who has a bike? Yeah. That's sort of the analogy that I like to give. And I I think that there are a lot of amazing um, women out there that are moms that have picked up photography as a hobby. They shoot maybe once a week, once a month, once a year, it doesn't matter. But I think what I was surprised is that photography was sort of my second career. I was a business analyst for about 14, 15 years. And when I ventured into photography, there was this oh, you're a mom with a camera. And I'm like, well, actually, I'm, I am a mom and I have a camera, but I also have a really successful business. I pay taxes. I have a business license. Um, but it just, it really surprised me how often I heard that. And it wasn't ever in a bad way. But then if, if there was a male photographer that I met, he would have a photography business. And it was never that he's a dad with a camera. Or I think the biggest thing that I noticed was women qualify it. Like I'm a, I'm a, photographer, but I'm a six figure business, or I have my own studio, or I'm also an educator, or I'm a photographer, but I do X, Y, and Z. Whereas if you meet um, a male in our industry at a conference or something, they're a photographer. There's no, but there's no, and I do this. They're just a photographer. 
and we assume that they have this standalone successful business just because they're a photographer. But when you meet a woman, we're often having to explain that we are more than just a mom with a camera, which again, nothing wrong, but it's assuming that everybody that has a bike is a, and a parent is just a dad with a bike, right? So, so do you think this is on the women or is this the, the men? Do you think it's the men judging the women? Like who, who is this falling on? I think we do it. I think it's on everybody, truthfully. I mean, I think that, I think that it's on whoever is speaking to the other person to try to remove that bias and to try to remove any preconceived notions. So if I'm talking to another photographer, um, they're a photographer, right? They're not a mom with a camera. I think women, we do it to ourselves. Um, we wear that label because that's just what's around. And they're like, I'm a mom with a camera, but I also do this. I think when I work with other businesses, cause I also do SEO, sometimes people tell me that and I'm like, no, you're a photographer just period. Like there's nothing else after that. Just stop and you're a photographer. And then they kind of like take a breath and they're like, that's right. I'm a photographer. There's no other explanation required. But I do think that, um, yeah, the men in our industry, it's, it is tough, especially in like Facebook groups um, where I think people are a little more like free with what they can type because you're not face to face with somebody. I definitely see men treating women differently than they do other men, um, more like they're a hobbyist or it's just a side hustle for them. And I, you know, in my previous career, I dealt with that a lot. I worked in a really male dominated industry, but I think that we were all very aware of that because we talk about that. And I think in photography, we've sort of just gotten used to moms with cameras and, um, a lot of like successful male photographers that are in the education space that are um, they have the big studios and things like that. And it's, it is very separate, but I don't know that it's like, I don't think anybody has ill intent. And that's what I hope you understood from the email I sent, because I don't necessarily get that from any of your interviews. I think that it just happens sort of automatically because there are a lot of women who are moms that pick up a camera because they, um, you know, they want to document their kid's life and maybe they do want to make a little bit of money on the side. But it's not on the photographer who has a legitimate business who's providing income for her family to explain that to the person that they're talking to. And I think that's sort of the like the point that I was trying to hit home when I was listening to NASA. Right. So I, I totally understand where you're coming from. And I, so when I, I had to read your email a couple of times because first I thought, Hmm, is MB is she attacking me here like with this because I'm I'm totally and I am totally fine with that because I'm happy to have a discussion around the topic mm-hmm. uh, from from my point of view as an interviewer I, I really like to establish that if it's a mum who has a photography business that she is a mum because let, let's say take Katrina for example or even Nasa you know Nasa or Nasa she's put, like, she's got six kids like to me that is absolutely incredible to be a mom of six kids and have a photography business so if she says she's you know generating 40 or 50 or 60 or a hundred thousand dollars to me i feel like i could almost double or triple that if you take the kids out of the equation if she if she wasn't if she didn't have to have the time to spend the time to look after the kids as well and you could argue that hey the dad the dad or the, the partner should be spending as much time looking after the kids but in my world and, and i am probably a little bit old-fashioned and a little bit older than some listeners that's the way we grew i grew up you know my, my wife linda she 
with like without a shadow of a doubt spent a lot more time raising the kids than I did and I focused on the photography business so for for Nasa to have six kids and have a photography business I when I bring that up I I'm applauding her by the fact that she can still generate that kind of income and have six kids but it sounds like that's getting or that could be mistaken is that right I don't, you know, I don't think so. Actually, I listened to your interview. I thought it was great. Um, and I don't ever get like, I understand that we all approach people from our own paradigm. Like we approach people from our set of experiences that we've had throughout our life. So like you said, you're talking about how it would be in your family in your life. And so I don't fault anybody for that. And I don't think that, um, I'm not knocking any of your interviews or your interview skills. I thought it was great. I just really wanted to, I guess, maybe um thank you or kind of bring to light that i really appreciated the conversation when we started talking about the mom with the camera because i think she said something in there where she said um she said something about being a mom with the camera and you said is somebody specifically saying that to you or is that how you feel and i that was the only one where i was like whoa like it's kind of like that thing where it's like is somebody really judging you differently are they telling you they're judging you or is that just like a feeling that you have but I think that um, we can be judged consistently for being just a mom with a camera without having somebody outright say, oh, you're just a mom with a camera, which I've had, by the way. <laughs> but I've also, um, you know, I've also had it the other way where it's really passive and people don't mean it in a bad way. And that's really what I like want to, I really want that to come across that I don't think that most of the people, 99.9% of the people in the photography industry mean it in a bad way. And I'm just trying to bring a little bit of awareness because you take a step back and you think about how often do we apply mom with a camera, side hustle, um, shoot and burn, spray and pray, all of these like terms that you picture a mom going out and trying to make money and photography on the weekends or the evenings. Like, how many men do you think are labeled as a spray and pray or a shoot and burn photographer? Like you don't see that. And I'm not saying that the majority of those photographers are women or not. I'm just saying that I think that it's good to be aware of that label that we associate um, because it, it is out there. And maybe if you've been in the photography for photography industry for a long time, you don't see it, but coming from a different industry into ours, I was just really surprised how there was these two very distinct groups, um, the moms with the camera and then the real photographers. And I put that in quotations. Um, it just, it, it was more like a, I'm not sure what that means. And I'm not sure why that is in our industry, or maybe we're just catching up to things. Um, but it was that, it was when you said that comment where I was like, I'm going to email him, but not in a bad way in a, <laughs> Yeah, for real. Like I see, I get that, you know, I go to parent meetings and the other day I was at a parent meeting, like a, uh, I don't know if you have PTAs, but like that type of a thing. And they were trying to do fundraisers and this, another mom, like, again, this is a female, I'm not saying this is coming from men. Like we do it to ourselves. Another mom says, well, we could do like a fundraiser for photos. Um, they said, Mary, Mary Beth, don't you have a photography business? And then, you know, I just shrink. I'm like, oh, please don't look at me. Like, I don't want this conversation. And they're, and I'm like, I, I do. I'm like, well, could you do like some free photos for all the families? And then we could just donate what we can. And I was like, 
how many families are we talking? Like 67. And I'm like, you want me to do 67 family photography sessions? And they're like, yeah, I mean, if you can't, I think there's another mom that has a camera that could come in and help you. And I thought, I, I thought about that. And I was like, in another industry, like if I was in my other industry and somebody asked me to do this like crazy thing, they wouldn't just say, oh, you know what? My brother, he has a computer. He could come help you run this data, I'm sure. He has no experience whatsoever, but like he's got a computer. So it's like the same thing, right? Um, again, not this mom's fault. It's just this label that exists. And um, we put it on ourselves just as much as people give it to us. And like I said, I see that when I work with other clients, other photographers, and that's like, I know I'm talking to people about SEO, but when I get another female in front of me, that's like a business owner, and I'd ask them to like, tell me what they do. I always say, I'm like, stop qualifying it. Just own what you are and be a photographer. And then let's go from there. That's fantastic that you're a mom. That's fantastic that you do all those other things. Those are extras, but being a photographer is enough on its own without feeling like you need to do all the other things to like show that you're more than just a mom with a camera. So, so the, more, the more I hear you talking about and giving examples and um, the more I think about, you know, any, anytime you say something, I'm, I'm thinking of, of real life experiences. I keep, I keep going back to, it's the women doing it to themselves. I, I, I haven't heard an example of a man doing it to a woman. No. Oh, oh gosh. You want, you want examples yeah. of a man doing it to a woman? Yeah, because, because so, I, I think it's mainly the women that, that give the extra clarification, hey, but I'm also a mom or I only do this part-time. I, I mean, I, I don't... But why it, do we do that to ourselves? Yeah, a good question. Why? Where did that come from, right? Like, I, I, think that, I think that for sure we put it on ourselves, but it has roots somewhere. So if I go and I talk to... I've talked to... Well, I talk to other photographers often that are men in working with like other photography businesses doing like SEO and things like that. And it is common that when I get on there, they're surprised. They're like, oh, you know a lot about business, right? And I'm like, yeah, that was like, I did that for like 14 years, friend. Um, wow. So that's or pretty the, I've had it, well, not in a mean way, but just in a, in a surprise or the, oh, you have kids at home? And I'm like, I do. And they're like, so are so you're a photographer because you got into it because of your kids. And I'm like, no, I mean, I wanted to pay the bills. Like I did, I have a love for photography and I love taking photos of my son. Um, but I probably got into it for a similar reason to you because you had a knack for it. You loved photography. Um, I love my son. I love taking photos of my son, but that's not like why I became a photographer, at least my personal journey. And I there are many industries or many industries, excuse me, many like times where I'll talk to people outside of just the family photography industry, like a headshot photographer that's a male or things like that. And you can see that, oh, you're a family photographer, kind of a like the shrug or you do all inclusive. Like, how is that like, because is it a side hustle? And I'm like, no, I'm all inclusive. And I, you know, I, I make more than I made at my, you know, my old job now. Um, so no, it's not direct. And I don't think that it has to be direct. I think that I listen to a lot of podcasts other than just yours. Um, I'm sorry, I cheat on you there. And it's funny when I listen to how they interview women versus how they interview men. And the questions are often, like you said, about your family, um, about your kids, about your partner. What does your partner think about it? Or um, well, how do you handle childcare? Things like that. And I totally get where you're coming from that 
for you, it does interest you because that wasn't your family dynamic that you had. Um, and just to throw it out there, I was, you know, I had very traditional and have a very traditional family at home as well. Um, but I think that the thing that's different is that we don't lead with those questions with a man. And so as a woman, when I listen to this, I start to think that if I show up at a, an, an interview, like people will be more interested in how do I manage it with my family? How do I manage it being a stay at home mom as well? Um, what does my husband think about having to like watch my, my child more or do all this other stuff? And so what happens is that these are the conversation points that happen before my photography business. And so I want to be seen as a photographer first because that's why I'm on a photography podcast or I just like randomly jump on a zoom late in the evening, I guess. Right. Um, but that's not what happens. We interview and we lead in with these other questions that we wouldn't lead in with a man. And I think that's where I see it coming from all genders, not just women, not just saying that women put it on ourselves. But if this is a message that we're constantly hearing, it's of course we would start to assign that to ourselves. Like, of course, if I was to approach you and ask for an interview, I would say, um, you know, I'm a photographer, but I'm also like amazing at SEO. And I like, I did all these other things. Like this is why I should be here versus like, Hey, I'm a really successful photographer. And I want to talk to you about business. I think that that's not just our fault for assigning those labels. Like it does come from somewhere. And I don't know where it truly does come from because like I said, it's, it's just something that I've observed. Um, and I don't know. I wish I did know, because I think that as a female photographer, I would see more successful female photographers in business if we could figure out why that weight is on our shoulders to break that. I'm not, I'm more than just a mom with a camera, you know, and just to be, I'm a photographer. If, if another female photographer can just say, I'm a photographer and just stand there and not say anything else after that, I would applaud that. That's what I want to see more of. I don't know what the answer is, but I see that it's there. Um, I think, yeah, again, I think that's on the, the women or the, the photographer to do that. And, and I don't think it's only women that have photography as uh, an additional business or as a side hustle, if you want to call it that. I mean, we, we all, there are lots of photograph, male photographers in that same boat, but I don't think they, they lead with that, even if they think that. And if I, if I use, say, the, the cycling analogy or, or a golf analogy, if someone asks me my handicap at golf and I say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm playing off eight, but I'm, I'm pretty quick to think or say, oh, but it's not my main sport. I'm a cyclist. You know, I just do, I play golf a little bit. So I'm doing the same thing as a, as a female photographer who's a mum, but I'm doing it with, with sport. No, you, you, like you, you're scrunching up your face like it's not the same thing. I think it's a way to justify let's take the, the 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 photographer who is doing other things as well as photography i think it's a way for us to say i could be more successful at this if i gave it more time but i've i've also got a family or i've also got another job or i've also got to do this do you agree or disagree i mean i disagree i don't know like i said i don't really know what that how to give you really specific examples on it and my email was meant more like to reinforce what NASA was saying about that mom with the camera label. Um, but I do think it's different. I think when you have a group of the population that feels 
like they're a and I, I can't speak for everybody. There's there's going to be so many photographers that are going to say, "Well, that's not me. I don't feel like I've ever been labeled as a mom with a camera." But I know for a fact because I work with other photographers that many do feel that. And I, I cannot imagine that it is entirely on the person that's feeling like their job has been, or the, the, the goal, the job that they want to do has been marginalized. I can't imagine that it's entirely on that group. I think that as a um, community of photographers, our industry, I think that we can do better to talk less about spray and pray, mom with a camera, um, side hustle. It's kind of like the I don't know, but did you ever follow the boss babe thing where everybody would be like, I'm a boss babe. And then all of a sudden this big revolution came around and they're like, well, they were adding babe to the end of it um, because they couldn't just be boss, right? They had to be like, well, I'm a woman boss or I'm a boss babe or I'm a whatever. But then it changed to like, well, no, like you can just, you can just be a boss. Like you don't have to be, a, you don't have to add the female to the end of it. And I think that that's along the same lines that I see sometimes with this mom with a camera thing. Again, I don't think that you're doing it. I don't think that I see it like in your group necessarily, but it's, it's enough that I don't enjoy telling people all the time that I'm a photographer because I feel like I just don't want to have that conversation. I don't want to have the conversation. I never had that conversation as a business analyst to explain to somebody that yes, I actually make money. Yes, I pay taxes. Um, and I, so I avoid it because of that label. And I, I didn't assign that to myself. I mean, I came into it pretty ignorant, into our industry pretty ignorant, not even knowing that there was such a thing as a mom with a camera. Um, so no, I mean, I don't, I don't know that it's all on women for us to just say, we're no longer going to assign ourselves that label, but I'm not also blaming men. I'm just saying as our industry, I think that we, we have that stereotype out there more than is probably healthy. Uh, I, I'd love to hear from other other women and men on, on the topic and hear what they think. But, but I don't understand. So if someone says, what do you do to you, MB? If you're out and at, at a party or whatever and you, you're meeting someone for the first time and they say, what do you do? Surely you say, I'm a photographer or I'm an SEO expert or whatever. What do you say? I say I'm an SEO expert. I say I help other photographers with SEO. And it really depends. I mean, I'm... Honestly, I know I sent that email to you and you're like, wow, she's argumentative. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I typically, I avoid most um, conflict. It's not really my jam. I don't, I don't like that. I feel like I'm like past that point in my life where I want to wade into any controversy. But yeah, if, if I was at a party, if I was at a party specific to other um, in our industry, I would probably say I'm a photographer, but I also have this because when I get asked if I'm a photographer, oh, are you full-time? Yes. I get asked that a lot. Oh, are you, are you full-time? I, I never heard, and not that I sit here and listen to 87 conversations with a man in a, between two men. I've never heard two men have that conversation. Typically, the next one is like, oh, what type of photography do you do? Where do you work? Um, but I will almost always get the, oh, is that full-time? Is that a thing you do on the side? Are you like, a, I've had the, do you, um, is it like a thing? I've had to think how they phrase it. They don't say, do you stay at home? But I've had where the question has been asked, like, is it something that I'm just doing like in the evenings and weekends? Or did I, that was it. Did you do it because you're wanting a job that you can do, um, you know, just stay home with your kid more. So, but again, there's nothing, that's not, 
wrong if that's why you did it. Everybody has a different idea of success, right? Like my success is different than yours. It's different than Mesa's. Um, the whole point that I was trying to make is that I get a different second question than a man standing beside me would get. And I'm not saying our industry is like prejudiced and we're horrible. I love our industry. I love artists. It's just the next leading question is different. And that puts women on the, some women, I'm going to get roasted for this. I can't believe I agreed to talk to you. Um, you, you won't, I promise. You won't. It, uh-huh, sure. You say that now. I've, I've seen a couple of the comment threads before when there's been like contested interviews. Um, I think it puts women in the defense and it, it makes us start second guessing and feeling the need to like add a little bit more than just I'm a photographer. So I actually don't. I really, most of the time I say I'm an, you know, I help other photographers with SEO. Because I just, I don't want to have the conversation or I don't want to hear, oh, so-and-so's wife, she has a nice camera and she takes really great pictures. <laughs> cool. Does she, does she pay taxes? Because I do and I hate it. Right. Um, so I just, I don't want, I don't want to go down that line of conversation. So most of the time I do, yeah, lean into the SEO part of it. Okay. Yeah. So to, to me, I mean, this is a, this is the kind of conversation. I don't feel like we're we're butting heads here, but to me, this is a, this is a great convert. This is how I would have a conversation if we were at dinner or at a party. And yeah. to, to me, if if I said to you, "What do you do?" and you said, "I'm a photographer," let's say you said that I'm a photographer, and my next question was, "Do you do you do it full time?" That would come from a point of, I want to learn more about your business and how how you make money from. But you, it sounds to me like you would take that as you'd almost take offense to that question. No, I'm not, I'm not offended. I just, I don't love like always hearing it. Like why is that the next question different for me than a different is different for the person standing beside me? I don't, and I don't think that you should not ask that. If I say I'm a photographer, I'm totally ready for that question. I just won't tell you I'm a photographer if I don't want to have to explain that it's not a part-time job or a side hustle. Um, because it's just a conversation I don't always want to have I don't love confrontation. There's many people that would wade in and be like, you're darn right. I made six, six figures and take my family to Disney world every year. Like that's not me. I just want to do my job and not feel like I have to justify it. And I don't ever think that most of the people I talk to have ill intent. I've never gotten that you have ill intent at all. And I don't often see that you mix, like you ask a different set of questions to like a male photographer or female. So don't, I hope I've said that enough times, but I think that we automatically, because of our own backgrounds, can ask different people different questions just because, like you said, you're you're asking questions based on your experience. But I think that if we could all just be a little more aware of maybe what prejudices or bias we're bringing into a conversation, we could hold space for more people at the table. And it's uncomfortable when you're not doing anything really wrong. Like you're not doing anything with malice. You're not doing anything to be, um, make somebody feel less than for sure. And that's even harder to change the way that we approach a situation because sometimes we just have to recognize that even though we have the best of intentions and I just want to find out more about your business because it's really interesting. Maybe there's another question that I could ask before to really hold space for them to show up. Yeah, I like that. I, I'm trying to think if I was at a party and if I, if I met a, a male photographer, I, 
I have a feeling I would ask the same question. Do you do it full time? Because then you're a good guy, Andrew. Because that leads me to my next line of questions. Because I want to learn more about them and what they do. But but I would do the same for you. If if we met and you said you're an uh, SEO expert, I don't I don't know if my next qu- I have to be in the situation to say is that what you do full time? Because but again, if I if I, I said that's what my job was though, and I said I'm an SEO expert, why would you assume that that's not my job? Because well, maybe I knew that you were there with with your son, or you know maybe mm-hmm. you mentioned. But, but but if I if I if I did know that you had a son, or if I thought you were a, a, a mom as well, and I said to you, "Do you do it full time?" That's out of from for me. That's out of awe that you can have a business and be a mom. Yeah. I okay. So I think that you can do something out of awe and respect and with the best intentions. And it can still not be the most perfect thing to always say. And I'm not saying I'm offended and you're probably not offending most people, but I think that's what makes this type of a thing really hard because it is coming from the best of intentions. It's coming from admiration. And that's amazing that you can do that. Um, But it doesn't mean that it doesn't set somebody up to feel like they need to try to be more than just that or like explain No, it is really full-time. Yeah, it's really a job. That's awesome that your friend has a nice camera. I don't think that you do this. Again, like you are just one person, but I'm saying if you look at the moms that you see at PTA, um, the other photographers that you would meet at like an industry meeting and you talk about somebody that you'd meet at the grocery store, you throw all these people in, the general theme is women are often side hustling photography, doing it under the table, spray and pray, shoot and burn, mom with a camera, like that's the overarching theme that you get from all of these different people. Um, not just like another photographer that's interviewing and asking you questions. I don't think that I would ever get that from you. And I really don't get offended easily. I just wanted to validate more what Nasa was saying that when, when she asked for, or when you asked her for a specific example and she kind of paused, I was like, that was the point where I was like, Oh, Andrew, (laughs) like, why did you ask her that question? (laughs) Or like, give her a little more like, validate the way that she's feeling because she's feeling on the defense as being a female in the industry with that um, and hold space for how that is versus like, can you prove that? Can you prove that's how you feel? Um, That I think was the one where I was like, he's getting an email, a friendly email, but he's getting an email. (laughs) And it's, I mean, I, most people are going to be like you and they're not going to understand where I'm coming from. And I feel like there's going to be a lot of females that are going to say, I don't get it either. I can feel confident in this because I've worked with many females who have said this to me. Um, and, and that's really where that was coming from was trying to be a voice to that a little bit. I, I look, that's awesome. I'm so glad you sent the email and look, and on reflection, look, I, I think you're hundred percent right. Because if you, if you, if we had met at a party and you said oh, I was an accountant, my next question wouldn't be, do you do it full time? I would just, I would just assume that's, that's your job. But uh, photogra- right. photography, I, I think because photography can so easily be a side hustle, in air quotes, uh, you know, that, that becomes an easy next question. Whereas if you say you're an accountant, an electrician, a plumber, uh, whatever, whatever the job is that you do as a, as a female, yeah, my automatic next question wouldn't be, do you do it full time? So, you, no, you're, you're dead right. You're, you are right. I think photography or... Um, 
jobs that could have started as a hobby that become an income earner are an easy target for that next question. You know, is that what you do full time? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, that's probably a lot of why I see it here more than I saw it in other, in other areas. Um, you know, the question that I kind of think about a lot is like, what, what, how much more could female owned photographers succeed and get past that like two, three year mark where they start getting burnout. They're not making money. They're not trusting in what they're doing. Um, how much more could they succeed if we kind of dissolved that you're just a mom with a camera box? Like how do we help them? How does the community help them? How do I help them in my business kind of dissolve that framework so that they can just be a photographer and succeed and not put those limitations or, labels on themselves when they get started. I think that we'd see a lot more successful businesses if they were confident from the get-go that I'm a photographer. Today, I'm a photographer. I have a business license. I am paying taxes. Guess what, friends? I'm a, I'm a legit photographer. And I think that's what more businesses, more female-owned businesses need to have to succeed. I, I, I don't know. I have to explore that one with you more because I think the, the male photographers go through exactly the same thing. Like when I was an, uh, an electrician becoming a photographer, you know, I went part time in my electrical job. I did one week on, one week off. I did job share. I, I, was, I was scared. I was scared that if I was on a photography job, if I was at a wedding, if someone would ask me, do I do this full time? Because I don't want to lie. I, 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 I never want to tell, I want to be able to be truthful in everything and anything I do because it's too complicated to start telling lies. So I used to be scared that someone would ask me, do I do this full time? So I don't think this is, I don't think that part is just a female thing. I think that's, that's anyone. It, it's both for sure. But I think that from my experience and what I've seen, females wear it differently. Right. They, it takes them longer to get to that next step. And they, they, like you said, you, you, you said something about like, are we giving our, are women giving themselves that label, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, it sounds like it's a lot of us. So if we could take that label off because men aren't being like, I'm just a dad with a camera and it's a side hustle to bring money home for my wife. That doesn't happen often. If we could give that group of people more confidence to be a business and be value themselves that way and remove that label, then maybe they would be on equal footing and we would both be in the same imposter syndrome awful box that we get in and it's really hard because our industry is really hard <laughs> at times. Um, so maybe if we could fix that part, it would even, even it out a little bit. And like I said, it's just from my experience, what I see when I work with different businesses, a lot of women bring that insecurity and those labels differently than men do. And you're right. Men do too. Male photography businesses don't make it as, as much as probably women. Um, I just think it's good to bring awareness to areas where we could support our community and maybe take a step back and think about the words that we're using and how we can better lift up, you know, the, in the community that is amazing. I mean, we, we have a great community. I love photography. I know I probably said that I claim to be an SEO person and not a photographer. That's more for like the people that aren't photographers. I meet. Um, just, I think bringing that awareness is something that could just make, enough of a difference that maybe there's a couple other photographers that would feel more confident. Awesome. I love that. And I'm so glad, again, I'm so glad you were here, Let me just, uh, let me finish off by asking you one, one last thing about you personally and your okay. business. Uh, if, yep. you're, if you're happy to go there. So you, you're, you're a mom, you're a photographer. I am. Yes. So. And I have a camera. 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> do, do you feel uh, this is this is a, a, a way? It's an out there hypothetical. I guess that's the easiest way to, to phrase this. Do you, do you feel as if you didn't? if you didn't have a child or you had more time to devote to your business, you would be more successful. No, I'd probably own more dogs because I like my dogs and that would probably be my hobby, but I really don't. I think that I do a really good job at being a mom. I have an amazing child. Um, and then I have my photography business that is successful the same way that I was an amazing mom when I had a role as a business analyst. Um, I don't, I guess I don't see the difference. And maybe that's from that mindset is because I spent so long having a job and being a great mom before. So for me, I don't, I don't sit here and think, oh, if I didn't have to do X, Y, and Z with my family, I could devote more time to my other business. I mean, I have had a successful, have a successful photography business. And then last year I was able to start doing a second business with SEO haven't dropped on my photography side. So I was able to find the capacity to do that. Um, so I think that like sort of reinforces my idea that right now I'm doing it pretty well with balancing everything. And really, if I wasn't a mom, I think, you know, like I saw this thing on um, Instagram the other day and it made me think about business. And I was like, the cleanest that I get in my house is 10 minutes before somebody is coming over. Right. You can have all week to do it, but you're going to get the same amount of work done in 10 minutes before you have a deadline. I think that if I didn't have these other things to do, I, I sort of believe I would just, I would get the same amount of work done, but it would just be in a bigger time frame. I love that. I love, you know, I think, I think now I'm seeing like the, the big difference between you and uh, let's say a lot of women who, who have a photography business who are also moms is that you, you had a, you were successful in your job while you were a mother and you now devote the same amount of time to your photography business as you did it as a job or, or a similar amount? I would say that effort is there, right? I work a lot less. Okay, sure. Okay, so you- Because I, I don't have childcare and I, I homeschool my son. So right. that's so you, so you're in a, tricky. I, I feel as though you're in a different position where to say um, someone, a mother who had a job before pre-kids then they have kids, they stop working for a few years, then they start a photography business, and then they're always measuring the time that they're spending on their business now compared to what they used to have to spend on their job, which is never going to be the same if they're raising a family. It's just every, every yeah, every stage of your life is different, right? Yes. And, I, and that probably is why I have that, like, bird's eye view from it because I didn't grow up my business in that way. Um, I had a different perspective, so maybe that gives me a different vantage point. But again, I think that people that decide to stay home with their kids and only work two hours a week, and that's the definition of success. That is fantastic. I just, yes, that, that's, and that's what I, I want to remove that's, that. Label. That's what I want to highlight. Like if you, you can be a successful business operator and bring in 20, 30, $40,000, like that could be your success. That's as, that's as important or as relevant as uh you know john glazer who's you know on track to bring in a million dollars in in, to his business it's the same depending on how you measure success i'm with you there 100 percent for sure (laughs) well i'm uh, i'm so glad that you said yes and just for the for the listener uh (laughs) 
I, I put MB on the spot here. She sent me the email. I jumped on Messenger. Uh, she's on the other side of the world. It's Sunday evening for her. And I said, do you want to jump on and uh, can you let me record? And she's like, oh, my God, okay. So massive thanks to you, MB, for saying yes to this. Where, where can we see your photography and your SEO uh, sites, websites? Um, so my photography and my SEO stuff is all on the same webpage, and that's um, MB Bryant images.com and then there's a section for clients and then a section for photographers and other small businesses so mb bright b-r-y-a-n-t and i'll add a link to that in the show notes for today's episode i'm going to put this uh this recording at the end of today's episode which is with another female photographer tammy from adelaide Uh-oh. australia so i think this is going to be a, a perfect oh man compliment. i hope i don't get stoned for this i like don't know that i ever would have volunteered for this if you hadn't put me on the spot <laughs> that, that's why i did it <laughs> yeah and you like amber you, you are amazing congratulations on your success in both businesses and uh, thanks again for saying yes to doing this and uh, i really appreciate it you've made me think twice about some of the questions i ask even if they come um, you know with good intent but uh, yeah i'll um, i'll be sure to think about my questions before i ask them enjoyed this episode head to photobizx.com join the conversation leave a comment and share your thoughts on the interview with andrew and today's special guest 